Hello and welcome to the Arista Wealth Podcast, where we focus on your finances, wellness, and lifestyle, so you can focus on living your dreams. We'll help you navigate through important topics so that you can elevate your life and financial health. Let's get started with your host, Paul Moffitt. Welcome to Arista Wealth Podcast. Today, our guest is Scott Anderson. We're excited to have Scott join us. He's got years and years of experience. Scott went to Brown University. He's got graduate degrees. He's also a licensed therapist. Scott is from Omaha, Nebraska, the same city that Warren Buffett, one of the top five wealthiest Americans live in and a member of the Billion Dollar Club. Hopefully, he can tell us some secrets about uh, what it's like living in a city with a billionaire. Also, we're excited to have Scott join us because he has some great insight in our topic today. Scott is the founder and CEO of Double Dare, which is an executive coaching and consulting practice, which dares entrepreneurs, business owners, husbands and wives, and executives to fully live their unique talent, passion, and purpose. Scott has a master's degree in clinical counseling and is a licensed mental health therapist. We're excited to have Scott on Arista Wealth Podcast. Welcome, Scott. Thank you very much. It's great to be here. Great to spend some time with you today, Scott. Thank uh, I you. love Omaha. I've got some dear, dear friends that live there. But let's jump into it, Scott, because sure. I know that uh, you've got some great stuff we want to talk about today. Help us understand what causes life and workplace burnout. Well, the term burnout has been around since, I think, the 70s. There was a psychologist who used it to describe and it's actually telling today in COVID. But what he was measuring is the toll that long work hours were taking on medical teams and specifically on doctors. So this term was sort of created in the 70s, but it was meant to measure specifically the impact of really long, stressful hours on doctors. And over time, it's come to be more generalized and to the workplace generally, not just to healthcare folks. And burnout has been measured for quite a while. Psychologist Christine Maslach created the first but the most exhaustive burnout assessment called the Maslach Burnout Inventory. And that suddenly made burnout a more scientifically validated kind of an issue. A number of professional services assessment companies started measuring burnout in the workplace. In 2008, as you can imagine, and as we all lived through, there was a complete collapse of everything. And there was a big spike in burnout that followed that because a lot of people were unemployed, but also as a result, a lot of people were doing the work of two people or three people for years subsequent to the Great Recession. And the burnout rate at that point, according to Gallup and Corn Ferry and some of the experts in these kinds of assessments, um, was kind of a running average of about 25% of the American workforce reported at any one point in time that they were, quote, always, quote, burned out, which is, you know, pretty sad state of affairs when you think about it, because the technical definition of burnout, which I'll get into in a second, can actually take you to very severe mental health issues and physical health issues. So fast forward from the recession of 2008 to today, to 2021, and unfortunately, the rate of burnout now being reported, most recently in September by Gallup, was 62% of the American workforce 
said that they are always burned out. It's a staggering number, almost a threefold increase from what had been a fairly stable historic number. And you're hearing more and more people now talk about that the next epidemic we may face in the United States and elsewhere is a mental health epidemic. So in the last year, the World Health Organization classified burnout as a formal illness, not just a sort of pop psychology term or a term just reserved for psychologists, but as a formal illness. And the American Psychiatric Association, which publishes the DSM, which is the Diagnostic Standards Manual, I believe that's what it stands for, is going to classify burnout as a bona fide mental illness. Burnout is is not only a serious thing, but today it's really off the charts. So the way burnout looks as symptomatically is there's basically three buckets of symptoms. The first one is physical and emotional exhaustion, an exhaustion that doesn't go away. When people report waking up tired, waking up exhausted, they go to bed exhausted, they wake up exhausted, and all day long they feel tired. That's one of the key symptoms of burnout. And along with that, not just physical exhaustion, but emotional and psychological exhaustion. People report you know, I don't know how I'm going to get up and do this tomorrow, whether it's at home or at work. And of course, today, unfortunately, the the line between work and home is completely blurred. The second is no motivation. Feeling, I have to get up every day and do this job, but I just don't feel the motivation to do it. I don't have the fire in the belly, maybe, that I had before, is one of the symptoms of burnout. The caring concern that people ideally bring to work is lacking. So not only are they exhausted emotionally and psychologically and physically, but they're also grasping for motivation. Professional satisfaction and fulfillment is really lacking. And then the third bucket of symptoms has to do with connection with other people. And obviously, if we're working from home, Zoom is a real blessing. We get to do a lot of things we didn't get to do before. But we also don't have the face-to-face physical connection we used to have pre-COVID. And for a lot of people, that lack of connection is really disabling. The symptoms are these three things, basically no energy, no motivation, and then no connection. And the no connection part is the most serious, where people begin to feel disconnected from other people, lack affinity with other people, lack community with other people, a basic human need. And in the workplace, what that can mean is no longer really being concerned with relationships the way that they might have been before. Wow. So, Scott, what you're saying is no energy, no motivation, no connection is now leading to 62%, not 25% from a few years ago, now 62% of employees, entrepreneurs, executives, husbands, and wives. Exactly. Are feeling a burnout. Exactly. And and this is why, you know, if you read newspapers or listen to, you know, podcasts and so forth, what you're going to hear a lot more of, and I certainly have, is social scientists and psychologists and psychiatrists saying we need to brace ourselves for a mental illness wave that is unprecedented in this country yeah. and, and worldwide. Because what happens as a result of these symptoms is that people display anxiety and depression. 
sometimes depression to the point of suicidal thinking or even acting on suicidal thinking. I'm a serial entrepreneur myself, started and run nine companies and sold all but two. And I've signed a lot of paychecks and managed a lot of people. And one of the things I understand as a manager and particularly a business owner is that everybody is fine. When you ask them how they are, they are fine. And particularly during an economic downturn, if you ask them how they're doing and you're the boss, they're going to say, fine. But I've had the opportunity over the last six months to volunteer to do some mental health first aid for some of my corporate clients and offer employees who want it some mental health therapy on kind of a first aid basis, obviously completely confidentially. And what I'm seeing behind the curtain of fine is that people are really not fine. The incidence of alcoholism, substance abuse, gambling, and other addictive behaviors is on a very strong increase. The instance of marital problems and spousal abuse and child abuse is also significantly increased. So families that were under a lot of stress pre-COVID are now under an intense amount of pressure. So if the binds, the connections that were holding families together were kind of tentative pre-COVID, they're under tremendous stress right now. And if you add to that more job pressure, more financial pressure, the existential threat of being sick or dying from COVID, all of those things contribute to it. Thoreau once said that men, he said men, but I'll say men and women lead lives of quiet desperation. Or in other words, it's hard to know by talking to somebody when you're the boss and you talk to an employee and they say, fine, it's hard to know or to remember that really underneath that fine, and especially right now, a lot of people are really suffering. Not everybody, but a lot of people are really 62%. suffering. 62%. Exactly. 62%. So two out of every three people, Scott, you're sharing with us, and that could be our own kids, our coworkers, our neighbors. Exactly. I went to a cookie store last night, so don't tell anybody, but I, you know, <laughs> I sort of eat too many cookies every so often. But I do exercise. I do exercise to sort of balance it. But you're saying for those three other people that were in that cookie store last night waiting for our chocolate chip cookies to be delivered, two of those three people are under distress of some sort right now. Exactly. So there's a number of reasons why this is important. I mean, obviously, at the fundamental humanitarian basis, it means that you know, a lot of our friends and loved ones are suffering. So at a basic human level, obviously, this is a real problem. For people who are running businesses, this is a big problem, not just at a humanitarian level, but it also goes to the productivity and innovation and creativity of employees, right? Not only do we want them to be healthy and happy, but we also ideally want them to be as productive and creative and innovative as they can be. But when people are slogging through this kind of anxiety and depression, it can be very difficult. So it begs the question, so what do you do? What are three things that our listeners can do, you know, that action word, about this physical, emotional exhaustion of workout? Right. If anybody would like to visit my website, doubledareyou.us, there's a button in our menu called Extinguishing Burnout, which is a program that we've created for our clients and for their teams with a couple of resources that I think would be very useful. One of them is a link to a burnout assessment, 
which will give you some sense from a technical standpoint, whether your symptoms fit burnout or not, how burned out you really are or might be. That's something a lot of people find very useful because they can get some sense of how am I doing? And it also pinpoints the areas that most people who are in burnout suffer from. So it'll give you a score, basically, that gives you an idea whether you're a little risk or great risk for burnout. That's kind of an important thing to know, because sometimes people who are in the middle of all of the things that people have to manage today, they're not even aware of how difficult the going is sometimes. So it's useful to know where you sort of fit on that. The second thing that we offer is a 10-point checklist of health tips around burnout. And if you go to our site, we'll send it to you. It offers you 10 well-documented ways to help yourself and potentially help other people. For our listeners, what are those 10 things they can do? One of the most essential things is sleep. Number one, to do everything you can with sleep hygiene to try to ensure that you are sleeping well. So for example, turn off electric appliances, laptops, iPads, phones, etc. at least two or three hours before you go to bed. The reason is because the stress that comes from all of this information, and also some people say from the electromagnetic charge of these devices, but mainly just from the information that our electronic appliances bring us, what our body needs is to really wind down, not just physically, but mentally. Watching dumb TV versus the news or reading a dumb book versus a news website can can really be helpful. In some cases, people have undiagnosed sleep problems, but it's really important to have a wind down sequence rather than be looking at uh, your favorite news outlet online right up until the moment you go to bed because we're stressing ourselves unnecessarily. So good sleep hygiene is one of the very most important aspects of it. The other is to talk to other people about it. One of the problems of burnout is an increasing feeling of isolation. And we may be in proximity to people, but that's different than having intimate conversations with people. So talk to other people, find out how they're doing, how they're really doing, and share your own feelings. What we all find is that everybody is going through something right now. To go out of our way to build connection and build community, even if it is by phone or by Zoom, in some cases, it makes a big difference, not only for you to be able to share what's going on with you, but particularly to find out what's going on with other people. It's not like misery loves company. It's more like the acknowledgement that we're all going through a lot. And sometimes uh, since this COVID thing's been going on for going on 10 months, it's hard to remember we're all going through this. So you had said sleep, isolation, talk to people. What else are a couple of other ideas? Yeah. What happens to us, particularly at work and particularly in these very challenging times for a lot of individuals and for a lot of companies is not allowing a recovery to occur. So Dr. Maslach, who created the burnout inventory, said that the scenario that a lot of people are having at work is sprint as marathon, or in other words, no breaks, to be running as fast as you can all the time versus a sprint and a break and a sprint and a break. But it's this unrelenting, unrelieved stress and exertion that is in itself problematic. And so one of the things that we can do that really, really help 
is to create little windows for mini relaxation and mini recovery. Athletes train and create micro injuries to their muscles, which then repair and the muscles get bigger and stronger. But it's the recovery time that's essential. And psychologically, similarly, we need to allow ourselves mini recovery from the stress we put our minds and bodies under. So for example, there's a technique called the Pomodoro method. You may have heard of it. It's a technique that says you work for 25 minutes straight on whatever project it is, and then intentionally take a five-minute break. I've had some people think about it in terms of working for 50 minutes and taking a 10-minute break. But to include intentional breaks in the work that you're doing, because your body and mind need these little breaks. But when we're under a lot of stress at work, either from our bosses or if we own the businesses from our customers or our shareholders or the economy itself, what we tend to do is just work and work and work and work and work and work and not allow our minds and bodies to recover. Few of us get to take vacations now, or if we do, there's not much of anywhere to go. So, you know, it's really important that we create these mini vacations in our lives where we're very intentional about turning off our phones, turning off our laptops, walking away from our home offices and walk around the block, if nothing else, to clear our minds and to give our bodies a break. But our minds, bodies need these mini recoveries because it's this unrelenting stress that causes burnout. This concept of sprint as marathon is just not sustainable. And our bodies and minds begin to give out. Well, that's great. And then, so Scott, where and how can our listeners learn more about you? Double Dare has a, uh, a Facebook page and there's a ton of information there, but really the best place is our website, which is doubledareyou.us. That's the best place to get information. And if people are interested in talking to me you know, personally and getting more information or even some help about entrepreneurial issues, but specifically workplace burnout, I'm very happy to do that. Wonderful. Scott, great to have you. And listeners, thank you for listening. It's been wonderful to have Scott Anderson with us today. I've learned a tremendous amount. Don't forget to subscribe and rate and review so you don't miss out on learning from our excellent guests like Scott today. Remember also to go to aristowealth.com to look at other videos, tips, and resources and checklists to help you live your optimal life. We'll see you in the next episode. This episode of the Arista Wealth Podcast has ended, but be sure to subscribe for more advice on your finances, wellness, and lifestyle so you can focus on living your dreams. Don't forget to rate and review so we can continue to bring you the best content. See you on the next episode.